You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Oh yeah, the truth will set you free. First it'll freak you out. Lately I've been finding it in words Long written down What we need now is all those who Will come alive Who know the whole world will change In the blink of an eye Hi, everybody. This is Sally O'Cordy, and welcome back to Vaccine Free America on RepublicBroadcasting.org. Uh, to this evening, my guest is David Steffen. And I don't know if I said this was Sally Alcorty, your host, but sometimes I, I do forget to say that. But my guest this evening is David Stephan from Canada. He has been our guest previously, uh, but his story it, it will may go on into eternity. I'm not completely sure how many appeals can be filed, but he's been through really the ringer, you might say, he and his entire family, and he has prevailed, and he's going to tell you the story himself. Uh, so please welcome David Stefan from Canada. Hi, yes, and thank you for having me on again, Sally. I appreciate it, and uh, it's always great to, uh, to be with like-minded individuals who are, uh, you know, taking a stand for our freedom and, and exposing the corruption that's going on behind the scenes with... Um, uh, the elite's nefarious agendas, and and my story, unfortunately, is no um, no different than many, where where people are just being railroaded by the system. Uh, families are literally being sacrificed on the altar of um, of, of the agenda of vaccines. Uh, that that fits into our story as well, as well as just the overall medical um, uh, dictatorship that's being established, as we see well on its way right now in the last six months um, at an escalated level that we've never seen before. And so, yeah, thank you for having me well, on. Well, I, I welcome, I welcome this, David, because, uh, you know, not everybody was awake, but the percentage of people who are now awake to, uh, you know, this medical tyranny are at least doubled, possibly tripled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in fact, we're having a hard time even figuring that out because of the, the amount of censorship that's going on. Um, all we know is that uh, that they're suppressing a lot of information at this point in time um, because they're losing uh, the war on the truth being um, uncovered. And so, yeah, it's definitely what's going on right now. And and every time that they, they tend to engage in, in these types of acts where they're, they're pushing forward with an agenda, so even in, in my story... We had so many people reach out that were not awake whatsoever to the, the corruption that was going on. Um, but they either knew of us um, or they were able to read between the lines of the media and they were, they reached out and they, they got the truth. They got the backstory as to what took place. 
And it actually served to wake a lot of people up um, over the last uh, seven years of, of court uh, battling that we've had uh, with the Crown here in Canada. And so that just seems to be uh, kind of par for the course. Every time that they engage in, in their uh, rushing their agenda forward, it, the, the fallout is that people wake up. Um, yes, you so, have been a, a major player in waking people up. And it's because you're as clear a, a spokesperson as you are in regard to your own situation. Uh, I remember seeing you first with a biking helmet on just or I can't remember if you were skiing. I don't know. It was some activity you were doing in the middle of with your kid. And I thought this fellow, while he's in the middle of being a dad, um, is telling the most compelling story. And it, it just you you articulated your situation so clearly that uh, people could not help but fully understand, which is why I'm thrilled to have you back again to articulate it and to let people know what has transpired and where you're at currently. Uh, you, your your wife, I'd like an update on the Clarks as always, another family who is um, going through a, a, not an identical, but a a similar situation and uh, and where all this is leading. Uh, do you think that this is going to make the difference because of your appeal? I'll just say it right out. You are so appealing. I would love to see somebody from their side produce somebody who had an eighth your appeal. Well, you know, you know, in relation to your last comment, it would sure be nice to actually take this into the court of public opinion where the public actually get to see what's going on and, and put me up head to head with with somebody from from their side, whoever they want to choose and, and to actually have a public debate with the facts coming right out so that the public can actually choose uh, what side of the fence are on in relation to this rather than just getting the the regurgitated um, refined narrative that that developed uh, through the media over the last seven years that's been ever changing. I mean, when you, if you were following the media from the beginning and you actually had a um, more than a twenty four hour news cycle, you would begin to realize that the the media was extremely schizophrenic in their the reporting and 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 I, I mean that you know in a politically correct sense where they just you, you didn't know where they stood from one day to the next to the next. They were just all over the map. And their facts were never straight, but eventually they, they refined this narrative that seemed to work for them that was extremely incorrect. And they actually had to do um, retractions at the end of the, the, the day, which unfortunately the public doesn't pay any attention to. And so it would be nice just to, to, to have somebody from their side at some point actually go head to head in the public arena. Uh, and I would welcome it. But um they don't tend to want to do that. In fact, uh, a lot of the news, uh, actually, I think all the news corporations now, the mainstream media um, news corps won't even have me on anymore because every time that they put me on, the, the fact of the matter is the truth prevails. And, and, and as long as I, I, I've never had to lie in the whole situation. Um, and so just by me uh, articulating the truth, it's, it's always diffused their, their, their ill-founded arguments and, 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 and it's done damage to their agenda. So... Um, but, uh, before we, you move forward, I just want to say in terms of retractions and uh, like the 
they never cover them and it never changes the outcome. Just recently, uh, Fauci has come out and say that, that masks are not beneficial. And, and uh, Bill Gates has said that 700,000 are expected to suffer from the vaccine. And the World Health Organization has just come out and said that uh, countries should not be on lockdown. But it doesn't matter what they say now, that they're backpedaling from their, their position, probably trying to cover themselves in doing so. But the narrative is in play, and onward, forward we go. You know, and that's that's really, uh, you know, quite un, un, unfair, shall we say? Not that anyone cares about fairness, but okay, David, uh, take it away and tell people what you've been through and where it's at now. Perfect. Okay. Well, <clears throat> just to preface uh, the story I'm about to tell here, um, this is really just a story that uh, that should have never had uh, made its way into the courts. Um, it required. Um, uh, the destruction of medical evidence, significant amounts of it, um, withholding of evidence, uh, falsifying of an autopsy report. And, um, and and today we find ourselves still in the courts after we've won fair and square, even though I was self-representing uh, in 2019 because we couldn't afford lawyers anymore because they had taxed our, our family over a million dollars in relation to the, the legal fees that had accumulated over the previous seven years. And we finally just came up broke and couldn't afford lawyers anymore. And yet we still won fair and square, even though we were at an extreme disadvantage. And now today, the, the crown is, goes so dirty as to pull the racist card uh, to, to, to launch an appeal, um, as well as to, uh, to go against the precedent that was established in 2019 um, with the charges of failing to provide necessaries of life where they hate the fact that it was uh, particularized that they actually have to prove that medical attention would make a difference in order to qualify it as a necessary of life. So to get to that point, uh, you know, there's a lot of blanks to fill in, but what really took place in, in an extreme Coles Note version, and I'm not going to go too in-depth, normally I try to address all of the objections somebody would have if they, if they would look this up online, and, and found what the media had to say, and they're going to find you know smoothies with garlic and horseradish uh, and, and peppers that were being given to my 18-month-old son, that we were crazy parents doing that type of stuff. And, and you know, anybody who uses a little bit of logic you know, should be asking the question, what 18-month-old child is going to be drinking a smoothie with garlic and horseradish and hot peppers? And it, 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 it's, it's absolutely ludicrous, uh, the stuff that you'll find on the media regarding this. So I'm not going to go too in depth to address all of all of the uh, the lies that they that they have um, perpetrated. Um, so what what took place in a nutshell was in 2012. So we're going back, a, you know, a fair distance here, almost a decade now. Um, my son came down with the croup, and and it, it it came across with with you know your typical symptoms of the croup. He had a fever for one night, the very first night. Um, he had little, you know, the barky cough and, uh, for the, the first night, that's it. And then, you know, he got over the, the majority of the symptoms and the next day he's, you know, just fine doing his own, own thing, really, you know, overcoming what appears to be the normal cold. Uh, he's got less than the normal activity levels, but the fact of the matter is it's not like he's confined to a bed and, and, you know, just like, um, down and out. 
Well, five days later, he overcomes it like any normal child would. And so we resume normal activities. You know, we're back to, to normal church on Sunday. Uh, you know, then we go to uh, parent preschool. My wife takes my uh, my 18-month-old, my four, four-year-old son to parent preschool on the Monday. Um, I'm out for a business trip at this point now. And I get this phone call on Wednesday where my wife says, I think that Ezekiel might be getting sick again. So I come back on the Thursday, uh, about uh, afternoon on Thursday. I'm, I'm getting done my business trip at that point in time. And so that's when I had the first chance to observe him. And when I saw him, just based on, on the way that he presented physically, one, there was nothing alarming. Um, it, was, it, was, it was literally an inquisitive thing, like, is he getting sick again? It kind of you know, looks like it, but you know, there's, there's nothing there that would make a parent be like, whoa, all right, let's, let's take him to the hospital. And so what my, my thought process was is that it looks like he has the early onset symptoms of the flu, just based on how he's presenting himself physically. Um, there seems to appear to be some achiness uh, that, you know, that typical muscle and joint achiness that you get with the flu and all that. And it just appears to be that way. Um, but he's not exhibiting any pain. Um, he's hanging out, watching cartoons, whatever. Right. And um, and he's able to vocalize. He's able to vocalize well. So if he was in pain, no issues. That, I mean, this is a this is a healthy child. There, there's 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 nothing lacking there. Um, he's He's not behind in development or anything like that. So. What you would expect out of an 18-month-old is exactly what, what you got with him. And so <clears throat> this kind of goes on for a couple of days. We start giving him some, some natural stuff, some natural treatments, some olive leaf extract, which the media never touches on. That was the main thing we were using. And the reason why they don't touch on it is because there's so much scientific evidence to back up um, its antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral properties. And, and the media refuses to touch on that one, uh, but rather they, they're going to focus on, on some other obscure things. Um, at one point, we gave him a tincture that we made using garlic horseradish and all that. And um, uh, but we're talking a tincture, not a smoothie. I mean, the the way you characterize it will will make the parents either look like normal parents or like crazies. And uh, you know, I don't know anybody who makes garlic horseradish uh, smoothies, but um, uh, maybe there's people out there, and, and maybe they're not so crazy. But you know, they would be on the on the fringe. Um, of, of what you'd consider to be normal. And so they've definitely thrown us right over the, the edge of normal and, and tried to make us look crazy that way. And so we gave him some of this stuff. And so this is Thursday, Friday. Um, about Saturday, we're, we're stopping giving him any of this stuff because it doesn't appear that he needs anything. Uh, Sunday rolls around. He appears to be, you know, fine. We think that he's going to be, you know, up and at it. Uh, Sunday night, though, he has a bad night. He doesn't sleep that well. I'm preparing at this given time. Uh, to go and fight uh, what we what we're terming the martial law bill, we had just discovered on the books in Alberta that the Alberta legislature had put through all the municipalities this act where, in the state of an emergency, which was was never defined what it, uh, a state of emergency could be, it could have been literally anything, anything that that, that instilled fear in people that they determined would be a state of emergency. It could be a perceived uh, terrorist threat, perceived, not even real. Um, it could be economic uh, turmoil or it could be a COVID hoax, right? And so we're actually seeing it play out today. But um, we, we recognize that there was this bill on the books. And so um, my brothers and I and my father, we had done a mail out to every single mailbox in the area. And we had generated quite a stir over, over this mail out. And it ended up that we had 300 people in a, in, a, in a very sparsely populated place um, as a geographical region where we're out in the boonies. Um, there's not many people living here. 
And so we had a huge turnout for the population base come out to uh, what would be called a county council meeting. And um, we absolutely had it out with them. And so this was on the Monday. So this is now um, <clears throat> March 12th, 2012. And so um, I slept in a spare bedroom because I was going to be awake uh, much earlier to prepare for my speech at this, um, at this, uh, this meeting. And so when I got back and, and, and went to share the great news with my wife that, you know, we had won, they had to uh, scrap the, the bylaw from their books and that we're now planning on taking it right up to the Alberta legislature. And it made news what we did that day. And it actually became a topic of discussion in the Alberta legislature. So that'd be like your, well, it, it would be the highest form of government within, within a state. It would be your, your state representatives discussing uh, a topic. And so they, they recognized what we were doing down in Southern Alberta and we were now in their crosshairs. Well, I went to share the news with her and she wasn't as excited as I'd hoped because she's four and a half months pregnant and uh, she was kept up um, for a half decent amount of the night. And so she's sleep deprived, four and a half months pregnant. Um, when I'm not on business, I'm busy planning for, you know, the, these uh, the, these activist things and stuff like that. And so she's she's getting a little frustrated with me at this point in time. And uh, and so she expresses her disdain and, and says, well, do, should we take him to the doctor? I said, well, I, you know, so he turned back to where he was on the Thursday. The Thursday, there was nothing of real concern. Um, OK, I, I don't see a need to do so, but, you know, whatever. So she says, well, OK, I you know, my midwife is coming out this week anyways to check up on me. And um, just just for some background here, her midwife at the time is also a practicing nurse who had been practicing in the emergency room for nine years previous. And so she's very well um, experienced in triaging and, you know, identifying infectious disease, not diagnosing, that's not her right, but to, to be able to say whether or not um, we should take Ezekiel to the doctor. And so that was the intent of, of her coming out, was to check up on Colette, to do the, the, the mother the checkup there to see how she was doing with her pregnancy as well as to, to look over Ezekiel as well and just see if there was any need for concern. Well, I ended up going to another business meeting, so I wasn't even present for it. I got back uh, that evening and what had been relayed to me was that um, if we were to take him to the doctor, uh, we'd likely be turned away based on the lack of symptoms. And that was the opinion of uh, the midwife nurse. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, I concur with that. That was my opinion all along. Like there's, nothing that's alarming in, in any of his symptoms or the lack thereof. It's just he's he's lacking energy and, and he had a bad night last night and, you know, he's not coughing and, and, and he doesn't have a runny nose and he doesn't have mucus in the eyes. There's no sign of even an infection in that sense. Um, and so, <clears throat> but there's something going on, but not nothing of alarm. And so um, what took place though, and it was an extreme mistake, is that the midwife made the mistake of providing a narrative or a cover-up story for what would take place over the next few days. And what it was is that um, she said, you know, maybe what you want to look into just as a, you know, basically as a matter of being precautionary, not based on any of the symptoms or lack of symptoms he had. Um, and, and, and she went over him thoroughly. She checked his vitals, blood pressure, listened to his breathing, uh, listened to his heartbeat, like everything, and didn't, there was, everything came back normal. And okay, so, we'll be right back with David Steffen. You're listening to Vaccine. 
folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The Republic Broadcasting Network, late night, premier show of Redfield Hardcore is hosted by activists that want to hear from you, the listeners, so that you can get involved in the activism, please call in at 800-313-9443 at 10 p.m. to enter the discussion. To book yourself as a guest, call our studio at 202-657-5715 or contact RBN staff. Remember, keep it real and take the red pill. Welcome back to Vaccine Free America. I am your host, Sally L. Cordy on RBN. My guest, David Steffen, was uh, in the middle of telling his story when we uh, went to break, so I'm going to let him uh, continue. Please welcome David Steffen. Thank you again for having me on, Sally. And yeah, so to continue on where we were, so basically I was laying out all the details so that parents can really relate that this is, they could find themselves in the exact same situation. There was nothing really out of the ordinary here. And in fact, what was really out of the ordinary is is where we ended up uh, within the next 24 hours of this taking place, of having the midwife come over 
Um, it just it didn't fit into what we were seeing with Ezekiel that we'd also end up in an emergent situation. But just prior to that emergent situation arising on on that Monday evening, um, the the nurse midwife made the mistake of saying, um, you know, perhaps you want to look into meningitis because there was a case of meningitis two weeks before that uh, that we encountered at the hospital. So it was fresh on her mind um, as to what was, what uh, what had just taken place at the hospital. So meningitis was on her mind, but not based on what she had seen from Ezekiel. And so we followed through with that, you know, okay, well, you know, meningitis, let's look it up. And, and, and so my, well, my wife did, and she filled me in when I got home and, you know, it, it didn't fit the bill, right? I mean, bacterial meningitis comes with extreme symptoms. Viral meningitis has some overlap with the flu. We thought, well, maybe there's a possibility then that he, he has viral meningitis or is getting viral meningitis because if you're getting the flu or you're getting viral meningitis, it's going to start off pretty similar in nature. And so <clears throat> anyways, um, so we thought, okay, well, let's just watch for watch for it. And and you know, that night or and one recommendation the nurse did make is give him some electrolytes. So we did. We started giving him some electrolytes that, that evening. And he had a really good sleep that Monday night. Uh Tuesday we had to go into into Lethbridge an hour away from us to sign some uh lawyer uh documents for the sale of a home. And um and we decided to drop by the the naturopathic doctor at the same time. Uh, just to grab a tincture, just to to ensure that we continue to see the progress that we were with them, because we just didn't we wanted this kicked you know once and for all that there was no issues. Well, by about the point in time that we were leaving Lethbridge, um, Ezekiel was becoming his normal self again. Um, where you know I fell asleep uh, beside him, he wakes me up playing with my lip, doing a little lip flip type thing that he would do um that that uh, that we were accustomed to doing and that type of thing and so you know it's just like okay and, and he exhibited no symptoms because he seemed to kind of have that achy you know joint type stuff going on uh but prior to that and that was all gone and he just appeared normal normal uh, just other than that a little bit tired um but normal and so i put him down for a nap that that evening and and um and uh everything was fine and then not that long after, about three hours, two hours into his sleep, uh, he ended up waking up and um, and he had this interesting breathing pattern that was nothing like the croup was, but it was just an interesting breathing pattern. So, so my wife was at a church activity that was, she wasn't planning on going to at the time, um, but based on the improvement that Ezekiel had seen, she decided to go. And so she phones me a little bit later on and says, how's he doing? I said, well, you know, he woke up from his nap. He had this breathing pattern, um, but he's fully cognizant. He, gave, he drank some more fluids, blah, blah. No, no need for real concern. Well, she came home about 10 or 15 minutes later because it was coming clo- uh, close to the end of the uh, church activity anyways. And, um, and we started to assess what was going on. And before we had a, a chance to really assess whether or not it was of concern that we should bring him into the doctor based on the breathing pattern, um, he went into respiratory um, arrest or respiratory paralysis and stopped breathing. And, and um, so I ended up on the, on the phone with 911 and I had to run about 100 yards down the, the driveway to tell 911 the, the rural location we're at. And by the time I got back in the house, he was breathing again and he had coughed up some mucus and fluid. And I thought, my golly, I just phoned 911 for no reason. He, he just aspirated on something and now he's fine. And uh, so we decided to take him to the hospital anyways after we got the phone with 911. And, um, and about a mile into the drive, 
he stopped breathing again. So this is about 20 some odd minutes later where we're going down the road because we had to wake up our four-year-old son and get him ready and all that. So what ensued after that point in time to really just encapsulate quickly because there's so much to the story, it could fill a few books. We encountered um, <clears throat> an ambulance that had been destocked of the equipment necessary for our son that night and any toddler in that, that general area. So when he got into the ambulance, he went eight and a half minutes with no oxygen whatsoever. Actually, it was eight and a half to 12 minutes, depending on what evidence you want to um, to to place you know your trust in because it was varying. But it was a minimum of eight and a half minutes and up to 12 minutes of no oxygen whatsoever. Um, and uh, and then this massive cover-up had to start taking place because um, the state agency that ran the uh, the medical or the um, the ambulance services had engaged in criminal negligence by removing the equipment from that ambulance. It wasn't a matter of just running out and, and forgetting to restock it. They actually removed it about a year previous, and the paramedics had warned them about it, and the, and, and the state agencies would not uh, honor the request for the equipment or anything like that. And so now they had just caused um, serious harm or death to my son. We'll be right back with David Steffen. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tired of being lied to by mass media? It's growing more and more apparent today that news is received less and less through standard media outlets. Even with a growing audience every day, RBN is beginning to direct more efforts into social media. Social media and the use of the Internet is fast becoming the primary source of people for news, regardless of demographic. RBN has set out to provide some of the best news on the Internet through republicbroadcasting.org and also has begun to use the tools to our advantage by way of social media. Republic Broadcasting is now operating a Facebook page to function as yet another avenue to have our collective voice reach new audiences across not only America, but across the globe as well. The Facebook page features not only news, but also an RBN player to listen to our broadcast. Get involved by visiting facebook.com slash republicbroadcasting and liking our page and share it with your friends and family because you can handle the truth. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Amazon customer, 5 out of 5 stars. I'm quite happy about it. This product has relieved what appears to be an angina problem, pain in the chest after climbing stairs, and short on breath. I'm quite happy about it. Dr. Sam Surreal. Good product and ingredients. Kept my blood pressure normal after mild heart attack in 2015. Switch to plant-based diet, also to reverse atherosclerosis. John Bispico's, 5 out of 5 stars, built up my immune system. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 
877-928-8822 or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Ladies and gentlemen, J.R. Moore here. We have a special promotion going on at Republic Broadcasting. This is a fundraiser for Republic Broadcasting involving the energy planner. Mail me a postcard. My address is at my website at thelibertyman.com. We pick a postcard every other Thursday. When your postcard is drawn out, you get to buy an energy planner for $215 instead of $285, $70 discount. $200 goes to Republic Broadcasting. You also get a 10% discount on my mattress pads. So get those postcards in, put your name, your telephone number, your email address on there, and when your postcard is drawn, you get to get an energy cleaner for $215 instead of $285. Mattress pads, 10% off. Help us out at Republic Broadcasting and help yourself to get an energy cleaner at a deep discount. It's a win-win situation for everybody. We hope you can get these postcards in soon. Thank you very much. We had uh, an unfortunate uh, timing of the break there, David. You had just uh, reported that your son had died from, from lack of oxygen in the emergency vehicle that was transporting him to the hospital. So please pick up where you left off. Absolutely. Thank you. And, you know, it's it's interesting because <clears throat> initially in 2016, when we end up in the courts, and I'll jump into how we got there in, in a moment, we, we believed that that was exactly what took place, is that he died from lack of oxygen in the ambulance. But he actually wasn't dead yet. What was interesting is that um, an hour and a half later into them caring for him, they had got him on a hypothermic protocol and they were in the middle of transporting him to a major hospital in Alberta. And they discovered that he had elevated potassium levels, which will create respiratory paralysis as well as cardiac arrest. And they treated him for it while on the way to uh, Calgary. And he started breathing on his own again. And they had to reduce uh, significantly, like they had to reduce his um, his heart medication down to 25% of what it was almost immediately. And they got so concerned that he was going to pull his intubation tube out, which live or, or dead patients don't do that. And, and so there's this whole narrative that they tried to create that he was dead, that there's nothing that they could do. And yet here we are an hour and a half later and and he's not dead and they're, they're afraid he's going to pull his intubation tube. So they hit him with a paralytic medication. And, and, and I'll actually just, I'll term it proper. They overdosed him on a paralytic medication that put him into cardiac arrest again. And then that's where we see a full hour, a full entire hour during the most critical times of his treatment where it becomes a black hole of medical evidence. It just disappeared. It completely disappeared. And, and this is when three teams are converging. The team from Calgary, they're rendezvousing at, at Lethbridge, and you've got the Cardston team transporting him there. All three teams are together, and they're claiming that there was nobody available to take notes. And the last note that we have is a 30 over 20 heart rate, and then it just goes black. And then he gets into a helicopter, and he's being transported to Calgary, and we see them give three consecutive doses. Within 31 minutes, they give him three basically adult-sized doses of this paralytic medication, which once again, you don't give a dead patient a paralyzer. There's no necessity for it at all. It doesn't make any sense. 
Um, but they gave him three doses of it, and and that was the last activity that he had on his own. After that, he he was he was on life support, but there was nothing going on. Um, and but in 2016, we believed the narrative that it was just solely due to um, the issue of hypoxic injury from eight and a half to 12 minutes of no oxygen in the ambulance. So we get into the hospital. Nobody's telling us about these issues that they encountered throughout transport, and and, um, and so we're left confused as parents. So. Five days later, when we pulled them off life support, um, after they were pressuring us to pull them off life support, pressuring us, pressuring us, pressuring us, and also pressuring us to donate his organs, which we declined, um, <clears throat> we pulled them off life support, and um, and we were just so confused when we walked away from that. We were devastated, extremely devastated for months, but we were so confused that we also ordered an autopsy report. Well, seven and a half months later, we got this autopsy report. Seven and a half months later that's how long it took for them to doctor it all up and to get their narrative straight and what it, it supposedly confirmed and and it was left questionable just the practices that they engaged in was that he did die from a vaccine preventable uh strain of bacterial meningitis and it, that's what it actually said in in the opening paragraph of the autopsy report and i thought well you know, you wouldn't include the vaccine preventable portion in there unless you were going to use the vaccine preventable portion for some kind of agenda moving forward here. And, I, and so my thought process was, my golly, you know, this is, this is getting towards the end of 2012. I'm like, they're going to charge us. Well, December rolls passed and then January of 2013 rolls passed and no charges. I'm like, okay, good. I was just being paranoid. And then mid-February, the RCMP, the federal police here in Canada, started contacting us. I'm like, oh, oh here we go. Sure enough, charged us with failing to provide the necessaries of life uh, nearly a year after Ezekiel had passed away. That's how long it took them to lay the charges because there was nothing, there was no clear-cut case. They had to doctor it, and it took them a year to do it, to get everything straight. And even then, they didn't get it straight. And so we ended up in the courts, and in 2014, we discovered during a preliminary hearing that they were using the vaccine agenda, that they were going to try to use this as a precedent-setting case in Canada to... Um, make it so that parents who didn't vaccinate would be held criminally liable if their child suffered any harm or death from what they deemed to be a vaccine-preventable disease. And so they were using us as, as the very first case of its kind in Canada to do that. And so then that's when we had to, you know, we, we ended up consulting with all sorts of people. Um, and we ended up hiring Dr. Tony Bark, um, beautiful woman, um, you know, rest her soul, um, and uh, and as well as Dr. Tatiana Obikanich, and they developed a defense for us that was just rock solid. And, and we were actually hoping the crown was going to continue to move forward with it because it would have set a precedent in the opposite direction, showing that these vaccines were neither safe nor effective. I mean, we had all the evidence to 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 show that, look, there would have been no guarantee, not even close, that our son would have not died from this doctored up form of bacterial meningitis you claim he had. Um, had he been vaccinated. In fact, he could have died from the vaccine based on the VAERS uh, database uh, reporting. And so what took place is the Crown decided that they weren't going to go with that that part of the agenda. So they dropped it a week before we ended up in the trial of 2016. Well, <clears throat> what came out during the trial in 2016 was that uh, another medical examiner came on board, the former chief medical examiner of Alberta, and she showed that my son didn't have bacterial meningitis. There was nothing scientific to back up that claim. And um, that there was also a uh, withheld x-ray 
that we didn't have initially disclosed to us that showed that the second cause of death, which was listed, was a major lung infection or, or actually a right pleural empyema, so an infection on the outer wall of the lung in the pleural cavity. And uh, there was an x-ray that showed that he had clear lungs upon arrival to the first hospital, which means that there's no way he could have died from a lung infection that he didn't have. And But we weren't given that x-ray initially, so we were left believing that the autopsy report could possibly be correct, but that it was the most atypical case of bacterial meningitis that you would have ever seen. Um, and so, uh, so what happened though, with all this evidence coming forward in 2016 is we should have won, but then the judge royally messed everything up, but it appeared that it was done with intent. I can't say whether or not it was or not, but the judge backed the jury into a corner by misinstructing them, um, at the end of the trial, putting the jury in a place where they had no choice, but to either rebel against the judge or find us guilty. Well, a day after deliberating, they come back in and they're, most of them are, are teary-eyed um, and they deliberate guilty based on what they had to do from what the judge instructed them to do. So then we appealed it. Alberta Appeals Courts uh, denied our appeal, except for it was a, it was a panel of three judges. Um, and so one of the three judges said, uh, you know, that the, the jury had no choice but to find them guilty based on the error in law from the first judge. So it was a split decision, two to one, which brought us to the appeal court uh, or the Supreme Court of Canada, where they unanimously decided, seven judges unanimously decided that it was a wrongful conviction and it had to be turned back for trial again. And then so it was it was brought back to trial again in, in, in 2018 and it finally commenced in 2019 is when we finally found ourselves before the courts again. And so. Um, 2019 rolls around. We start exposing the fact that they withheld and destroyed evidence, that we don't have all the evidence yet, that this shouldn't be before the courts um, until we have full disclosure. We never did get full disclosure. Um, there was all sorts of excuses to why we shouldn't get full disclosure. And so it was a real interesting case, one of a kind in that sense. And, um, and so we ended up uh, going to trial and not being able to afford um, representation for myself. And uh, my wife had three different lawyers that filled in on, on a moment's notice because nobody can clear a month of schedule that quickly. Um, and so there was three lawyers that, that, uh, that were uh, sympathetic to our cause. And so as they had time, they would just fill in and, and listen to me cross-examine and, and kind of bring themselves up to speed on, on the case because they weren't prepared. And, um, and then sure enough, uh, it all came out. Um, we ended up with that medical examiner. Now, the medical examiner that, that falsified the autopsy report, um, <clears throat> interesting thing about him is he's, he's from Ni Nigerian descent, and his English is extremely poor, and so it's hard to understand him. And so the, that was one issue in the, in the courts, is that he had moved down to the U.S. Uh, about a year and a half previous uh, when we first started to blow the whistle on, on the corruption of our case, uh, conveniently, he moved at about the same time. It may have been coincidence, but it doesn't seem to be. And so he moved down there and um, and he refused to come up to Canada to testify in person. And so he was over a video link, which made it even harder to understand him. And we brought that concern forward even before uh, the trial began uh, when an application was made by the Crown to have him testify by video link. I brought the concern forward and said, look, I've had experience with him in the past. He's already extremely hard to understand. This is going to frustrate everybody involved. And the crown got their way regardless. And then it became a massive issue during the trial where 
uh, people weren't able to understand him. And he was extremely fidgety and nervous throughout the entirety of it. So he would snap at certain questions and he refused to answer them. And, and then he'd start yelling and you couldn't understand anything really when he was yelling and he was ranting, um, doing things that were completely inappropriate during a trial, extremely unprofessional. And so what took place is that at the end of the trial, um, we spent seven days with, 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 this, with this medical examiner throughout the trial. He finally did show up uh, for the last, I believe it was two days. So he, he was cross-examined for five days, and then he showed up for two days in person. And he was still hard to understand, but the Crown did that out of a desperate attempt to try to um, reestablish credibility in their witness that no longer had any credibility based on his antics, based on, on, on his attitude, his, his arrogance, his inability to answer certain questions that he should know, his, his lack of knowledge, medically speaking. And so um, when we were found not guilty in September of 2019, what took place is that the judge put in his decision the issues as to why he, he weighed some evidence greater than other evidence and, and didn't give as much weight to the evidence of Dr. Adiagbo, um, and, and he highlighted these issues. So what was interesting is that there was a lobbyist group out of the University of Calgary that's attached to Alberta Children's Hospital, which is the hospital where all this nefarious stuff took place. And this lobbyist group, or this group of, of, of professional activists um, who find themselves supporting big industry all over the place, vaccines and everything, um, they attacked... Uh, the judge and called him a racist um, in the media and the media carried it because he because a judge didn't put that much weight on this black doctor's testimony not because he was black but because he was not credible because he wasn't intelligible and because he actually wasn't that intelligent either medically speaking and so um, they called him a racist and the crown went with it and so now they're pulling the racist card they appealed are acquittals, and they, they're pulling the racist card as well as they're attacking the, the precedent that was established um, against the Crown, that the Crown actually has to prove that medical attention, whether it be vaccines or medicine, would have actually made a difference in the overall outcome of treatment of an individual in order to classify it as a necessary of life to determine whether or not a parent had actually failed to provide a necessary of life. And the Crown doesn't like that. Because the evidence, the scientific evidence, is not on their side, and it never has been. And so here we are today with this appeal that, that you know, for the third year in a row, the Crown made sure that they scheduled the hearings, court hearings, on my birthday, June 11th. So it's becoming really quite memorable, right? My, my, uh, I can tell you where I was, you know, for the last three birthdays in a row now, I can tell you what I was doing um, and what the Crown was trying to do. And it, it's really a psychological tactic, but they haven't got the point yet. I don't care. I just, I really don't care. It doesn't traumatize me or anything like that. So whatever. Um, and so anyways, we had this hearing before the Alberta Appeals Court again, where the Crown was articulating this issue of, um, you know, the racist, the racism of, of the, the previous judge and all this. And so now what we're, what we're waiting on is a decision. And I think we're waiting on a decision uh, for an extended period of time here until the Black Lives Matter issue goes away. Because right now, if the Alberta Appeals Court uh, sides with us, which they should, like I said, the science is on our side. The media hasn't been on our side, but the science and truth has always been on our side. 
Um, if they side with us and the crown and, and this lobbyist group decides to really pull a card on that, it could end up in some protests or riots, uh, race riots over the fact that the judge um, didn't choose the evidence of uh, a, a, a non-credible black uh, doctor um, who the very thought of, of him being a doctor is actually coming into question with some um, some evidence that, that we've just recently received uh, that that uh, that he may not be what he purports to be. Uh, and we're going to be examining that. I, I, can't, I can't go too deep into that one right now. And those are cards that we're not willing to play yet. But um, we've got some serious background information on this individual now that uh, that leads us to believe uh, that he may not be what he was claiming to be. And so things could really, really, really heat up with this case one way or the other, regardless of, of, of where the Alberta appeal court goes with it. Um, there's going to be some interesting issues that, 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 uh, that surface out of all of this. And so that's where we are today. My Lord, who, who could have seen that coming? Really? That this is amazing, but not, I guess not amazing in the, in this day and age, right? <laughs> um, you have two callers, David, uh, would you like to take them? Absolutely. Okay. Please proceed, Ken. Uh, Paul from Ca- California is on the line. That is an amazing story. The same thing is going down here in the United States in California. Um, I, I'm an attorney, and in order to fight these kind of cases, I actually uh, am the only official write-in candidate for president of the United States. My name is Paul Kangas, K-A-N-G-A-S. So I'm running for office because parents are being framed by the courts in the United States with the same kind of manipulation of evidence, and doctors are being shown down here in the United States to not have the education they need from medical schools to be even making the decisions they're making. And so the doctors are on trial in the United States. because they're, one, taught a bias in medical schools to be biased against parents who want to be fair and reasonable and, and, and may not uh, trust the doctors because the evidence is so uh, strong against vaccine working. And now with Sweden having just achieved um, zero COVID deaths for the last month, no children in Sweden have died. No teachers have died during the whole COVID pandemic because uh, even though the teachers were working and the students were in school, there have been no deaths. And so Sweden's been reporting this. And what it's showing is the pandemic is over, that anybody that takes the leadership of Sweden, which most of the governors in the United States now recognize they need to do it because Sweden successfully defeated the COVID pandemic simply by staying open. Everybody went to work. Schools were open. Uh, People in Sweden are encouraged to do things like take vitamin C hourly, go take a sauna, because saunas, the temperature in a sauna can kill any virus. So uh, Sweden has a uh, preventative medical care system, and that seems to have defeated the virus in a very successful way, which surprised people because it looked so bad in the beginning. But uh, I'm pushing well, we thank this you very much. Do you have a in, question for David? Do you have a question for well, David? Well, no, I'm just pointing out that what he's going through there in Canada is going on here in the United States, and it's become such a 
big problem that I have chosen to run for president of the United States simply to advance the cause of parents who are being attacked by the doctors, who are being uh, lied to by the doctors and um, misdiagnosed, the problems being misdiagnosed by the doctors. And the medical profession and the pharmaceutical profession is the major cause of the pandemic. And uh, so it's going on in Canada. It's going on in the United States. So it's an issue. Absolutely. Thank you very much for calling in the election. Paul. I wish you well in your in your election. Yes. Good luck to you. Uh, the next caller is from San Francisco. David. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I notice there's only a couple of minutes left, so I'll try to be brief. I, I you, you keep talking about Calgary, and I, if I remember right, that's a mining town. And I, I tuned Oil in late. Gas. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so there are some pretty ugly, uh, you know, people that live in a, an industrial city usually have kids with, you know, that are having all sorts of asthma and all sorts of different conditions. And I'm wondering, I tuned in late to the show, so I didn't catch the opening. And was your the condition that you were dealing with, is it more pollution-related, like the, the origins of it? And when you think about pollution-related, no company wants to admit to poisoning uh, kids or, you know, the townspeople or whatever. So they all deny it and deny it and deny it, and maybe they buy the silence of the local health department. Uh, you know, and so is that kind of part of the problem uh, to begin with? You know, that, that's a good question, and it's something that we definitely investigated um, trying to figure out what was going on because we spent, you know, basically about, I would say, six out of the seven years really still trying to figure out what had fully taken place with our son that caused him to need an ambulance in the first place. And um, we kind of ruled that out. We, we live uh, about two hours out of that, that city. We're actually in, in one of the most pristine areas, uh, right near the, the foot of the mountains. And so the only environmental toxins that we really have is the spraying from farmers. But it was during the winter months. There was no spraying taking place or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> and, and so when we actually boiled it down, what we discovered is that uh, it appears to be nothing more than an electrolyte imbalance, something that we were not uh, aware of previous. Um, and that we corrected that, uh, or were correcting it, and that's why he was getting so uh, much better and, and quickly when we started giving him the electrolytes. But then what took place is that somehow, and we still don't know the answer to it, is he ended up with a spiked potassium level, which will shut down your um, the control center or, or the brainstem, in essence, uh, your, your electrical functions in the body. And so you'll go into respiratory paralysis and cardiac arrest, and that's exactly what happened. It's easily treatable, as long as you can sustain life for the individual who, who has it, um, and that was where the airway was necessary in the ambulance. And so had they been able to give him an airway and not left him oxygen, completely oxygen-deprived for 8.5 to 12 minutes, um, they would have been able to discover that there was a potassium spike, treat him with calcium chloride, and then uh, he probably would have been out of the hospital within a few days with, with no issues. Um, right, right. But instead, but we ended up with a massive cover-up. Right. Well, yeah, good luck with your, your situation. I just, you know, I I, I kind of wonder, say, for example, if COVID is a natural disease that's ancient, or is it a pollution-based disease? And coming up with herd immunity to a pollution disease means we become mutants. You know, I'd rather become a natural man rather than a mutant, and yeah. I don't want pollution, and I don't want pollution affecting my kids. So, it, yeah, it, it 
it's like for future generations sake let's start, uh, let's back down off the pollution pile and uh and get back to a natural life absolutely well thank you very much for calling in david i appreciate it and uh david stefan uh before i give you uh, the last minute to wrap up uh i would like to announce that Immunize Wisely is following this program, and Angry Castle's guest is Mark Perlinger, scribe for the Idaho Assembly, which is part of the larger network to restore constitutional law in our country at the American State assembly.net at the american states assembly.net now uh david uh stefan do you have a, a website or something you can refer people to um you know i keep uh, most up to date though not that up to date on social media if you look me up david stefan that's d-a-v-i-d obviously uh s-t-e-p-h-a-n um you'll you'll find me on there um but uh, for the most part i mean i've got stand number four truth.ca i don't do a whole lot with it haven't for a while um i just don't really have time uh, based on on other activities i'm currently engaged in um but yeah so social media is probably the best way to kind of keep up to date as much as i actually go on there okay fine you're on twitter and facebook just facebook just Facebook. Okay, fine. All right. Well, please, you will have the last word. You're listening to Vaccine Free America with Sally Cordy on republicbroadcasting.org. Thank you to my producer, Ken. Take it away, David. Perfect. You know, the, the first caller really highlighted uh, some issues. I, I forget his first name. I apologize. But um, he highlighted his, some his issues. His name was really... Paul from California. Paul from California. Perfect. Thank you, Paul, for, for bringing up these issues. What we're seeing here is that uh, in our case, what was highlighted is they're attempting, and when I say they, the government is attempting to hold parents to a higher standard of care than trained medical professionals like doctors. Because if a doctor misdiagnosed a patient, you don't see them getting charged criminally for it. Um, and so this is this is a theme that that's arising here, and it's really a uh, a foreshadow of what we're going, what we are starting to see, and what we're about to see really ramp up um, in relation to the whole COVID. Uh, crisis or whatever you want to call it, however much substance there actually is to it, is that this is going to become a parental and medical choice issue is really what it is. And so at the end of the day, they're trying to dissolve uh, the sanctity of the family. And this is what we're going to see. So just kind of a warning for, for all parents out there, especially if you're thinking about putting your, your, your kids back into the schooling system or government indoctrination camps, however you want to term it. Um, you're going to see some issues rising up here. And so we need to be open to what's going on with the overall agenda. Yes, people should look at the real news on uh, Facebook. Excellent source for regarding medical kidnap. Thank you, David Stefan. I truly appreciate your participation this evening. And thanks, Ken. And you're on Angry Castle. Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The EZ-OFF lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the EZ-OFF? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419.